Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. I'm Greg DeVries, pastor at The Well Scottsboro, and I'm grateful that you've decided to listen to this podcast. I hope that this word uplifts you and encourages you wherever you are. Stay with me for a few moments after the sermon. I would like to pray with you. I trust you'll be blessed by the word of God. Ready for church this morning for the word? Okay. Why don't you get your Bible out and you can turn anywhere you want to just as long as you end up at 1 Peter chapter 2. Okay? Turn in there. You're not missing anything if you don't turn right to it. You get your Bible out and get ready for the word. Uh, and we're going to declare this, okay? Say, this is my Bible. I'm going to be who it says I can be. It was written for me to correct me, to direct me, and to resurrect me. Oh, Lord, be it unto me according to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know that I've ever been as excited or any more excited than I am to share with you this morning. I get a wonderful privilege and and, uh, opportunity to be able to bring the word of God to you quite often and uh, to be able to stand before you to present his word. And and it's it's an incredible, uh, incredible privilege to be able to do such, not just on your behalf, but on his behalf. And I'm thankful that you're here this morning. But I truly believe that the Lord has given me a word and and it was confirmed to me uh, strongly this morning. But this is something I've been carrying for a couple of weeks, and just it's just been weighing on me, and not in a bad way, in a good way. It's a very exhortive word. It's a very encouraging word. It's a, it's a it's a now word, and we've talked about: Do you know the God who who is, or just the God who was? And where are you in your relationship with God? And this morning we sang about who He is, and and who God is to us. You are, you are, you are. You're all these great things, and He is. But I think sometimes we struggle the most not with who He is, but we struggle with who we. We are. And that is the message this morning, you are. It's, it's a message of you, and, and it's a message to you, and it's a word for you to realize who you are. And I'm here to tell you, listen, you don't live in a perfect world. Uh, you don't even live in a perfect Christian world. You live in a very challenged world, and you're going to have, I, I said in that transition, you're going to have tra- you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have hardships. You're going to have uh, temptation. All this stuff is going to be in this world, so quit thinking it's got to be perfect right there, but you just need to realize who you are in the midst of that so that doesn't make you someone you're not supposed to be. Uh, that's what the whole plan of the enemy is. That's what the whole plan of, of the enemy is, is to make you somebody who you're not supposed to be by keeping you from being who you really are in Christ Jesus. And when you, when you realize who you are in Christ Jesus, it won't matter. It will not matter what somebody says. It won't matter what they don't say. It won't matter what, what the doctor says or what the doctor doesn't say. It will not matter by the words of everybody else. All that will matter is that you know who you are in the word of God. You'll know who you are to the word of God. You'll know who you are for the plan of God and the purpose of God in your life. Because we're so easily tossed to and fro by every wave and wind and sound of doctrine. And we're confused and we're unsettled and we're jealous and we're, we're hindered by this that and the other thing and we love ourselves and we hate ourselves all because we don't really know who we are according to him and that's what the message is this morning is for him to say you are this is who he says you are now who you are is who you're supposed to be so knowing who you are in title only is not enough Uh, You know, if you raise a family and you say, hey, you're a smith and this is what smiths do and what smiths don't do, right? And, and you say, this is our life. This is who we are. This is what we believe. This is how you've been trained. If I were to say that you're a Christian, and then that means we ought to be living like a Christian. So that doesn't pick up offenses. 
You know, it was interesting in the Bible is that the Christians in the Bible in the book of Acts didn't go around telling people they're Christians. We go around trying to convince people we're Christians. There is no need of convincement where there's not any doubt. The reality is they were told they were Christians. By the world, the world looked at them in Antioch and they said, you guys are Christians. And they're like, what's that? What's a Christian? You guys are Christians. Because you're smaller versions of Christ. So until we know who we are according to Christ, we'll never have the opportunity or the knowledge or the ability to walk in who we are. I truly believe the Lord is, is doing something new. I truly believe that he's, there's a sense of an open heaven over your life. That even though it's in the sound of my voice or in the, the fluctuations of, of my uh, voices there, you can hear what God is saying to you. If he that has ear will give ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church this morning. So as we look into this, we're going to find that Peter is sharing this very same message in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. But you are a chosen generation. But you are, but you are a chosen generation. Interesting uh, phrase or usage of words here. He's saying you are, and then he's speaking to a generation. Uh, you and I are living. You may think, well, I'm in this generation, you're in that generation. We're one generation. One day they'll look back at us as just one. But we're a generation of people, so it's not limited to the age category or brackets of social status of any sort whatsoever. He's speaking this individually to you, and you're a part of us. And I am a part of us. You are a part of us. We're a generation. Are you with me? He says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. A holy nation, his own special people. You are special. Whether I make you feel special or not, you're special. Whether you feel special or not, to him, you're special. That's just something we need to know, something we need to embrace. Special people that may proclaim, that may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous life. I'm not going to take time to talk about my darkness. I'm not going to take time, but it was a lot darker than it is now. I guarantee you that. It was a dark day. It could have been, you could have called it the midnight hour. And I see some others in here that you know exactly what I'm talking about. Now, there's a few 1130s in here. There's a few 10 p.m.s. There's a few 9 p.m.s. Some, some daylight savings, 5 p.m.s. I get it. Some people weren't as dark as other people in their darkest hour. But he called you out of darkness nevertheless. Because I got news for you. If he wouldn't have called you out then, there's no telling what hour you'd be in right now. Because it just gets darker and darker and darker. But in Christ, it gets lighter and lighter and lighter. It gets brighter and brighter and brighter. He takes us from glory to glory. Amen? We ought to be growing in this. We ought to be maturing in this. And today, he's opening up an opportunity for us to embrace who he feels and who he says that we are. He calls you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You ought to just look at somebody and say, you look marvelous. Oh, you did it. Very good. And who once were not a people, but are now the people of God. You know, the reality is, as of 15 years ago, uh, the, as family units, none of us were a part of anybody at all together. 
Maybe some might go back 20 years or whatever, but there was a day 30 years ago, none of us in this room outside of family alignment were anywhere connected in the kingdom of God with one another. We were not a people, now we are a people. I want you to know something. If you're in the well, you're a people. You're a people that belong here. You're a people that have a purpose. You're a people that have a plan. You're a people that have a calling. And I don't know it all. I don't know it all, unless you ask me. I'll try my best to know something, but I don't know it all. But I do know this, greater is he that is in you. And greater are you than the you that you're in. He said, you were once were not a people, but are now the people of God. He knows it all. I said, he knows it all. He said, I know the thoughts I'm thinking towards you right now. I got so jazzed up here. I got so tickled up here listening to these people and the words are getting, I'm going, oh, I can't wait to see that live out. Oh, did they know that they used to do this? And did they know this about that person? Did they know the need they had? And it was speaking directly to their life because God knows. You have people who didn't know people who really didn't know anything about them. It would have been one thing if Pastor DJ and Lorimer were up here taking all these prayer requests and coming down because they know these people. Those people don't know them, but they know God, the one who they're called by. And God started to say things to them because he knows all. So your problems aren't going to be solved by talking to somebody else about somebody else. Your problems will be solved by talking to God about you. He is Jehovah. Nisi, Rapha, he's Jehovah Jireh, he's all that. He knows your need before you even ask. Have you asked for that need? He said, I'll give you what you ask if you ask it in my name. He goes on and he says, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Oh, mercy is falling. You know how I know it's a new thing springing up? It says his mercies are new every morning. Today could be the newest day of the rest of your life. You can unpack your bags. You can unpack your luggage. You can put your suitcases up of what you're getting ready to run from and possibly run to to think that you're going to get some answer from if you just obtain the mercy of God. That's what you need is the mercy of God. That's what I need. Listen, he said it's good enough every morning. I know people who are in prison. In prison. I'm not talking about jail. I've been to jail before. I haven't been to prison. There's a big difference between prison and jail. I'm talking about people who are in prison. I know people who are in foreign countries. I know people who are in poverty of poverty. I know people who are the reason. And you know what? That mercy is good every morning for them, no matter where you are. Don't tell me it's not enough for you. Don't tell me you think you need something else. You need to go some other place and you need a change of the tropics. You need a change of relationships. Don't tell me that. That means you're searching for something in the wrong place. You need to obtain mercy, the mercy of God, the kindness of God, the compassion of God, the pity of God. Allow God to tend to the things that you care about. Isaiah 42. Uh, we talk about the chosen and, and uh, being chosen. You are chosen, but you are a chosen generation. I think it's interesting. We're going to get into the but there for just a second to see what it's about. But that but chosen means this. He said, everything that I said before about those people who rejected the cornerstone, who rejected the builder, they rejected Jesus in their life. They were religious. They thought they knew God, but they did not know God. He said, you're not them. 
They're not of the chosen generation. He said, you, you are, but you are now the chosen generation. In other words, he said, I'm not even looking back at my historical Jewish people. I'm looking at this new nation that I'm building, this new kingdom that I'm establishing. You see, the covenant became a new covenant. Now you got to get this because that's who you're part of. You're part of a new covenant. You're part of a new testament. Uh, you're part of the blood of Jesus. You're part of the spirit of God. You're part of the word of God. You've been grafted in. You're a part of that all by his mercy. What do you mean by his mercy? You and I did not get what we deserved. You and I, it's amazing. We think we deserve something, but the reality of the covenant is built around uh, you don't want what you deserve. Did you hear that? We, we, we spend a Christianity trying to get everything we think we deserve or that we want or somebody should do for us or do to us, and, and we're confused. No, no. He said it's built upon what you, that you don't get what you deserve. I deserve the pits of hell. I, I deserve the lowest seat in hell. I, I deserve, like Paul said he was, he said I was the chief of sinners. I know in my family I was the chief of sinners. I might not have been as bad as you, but I'm not here to compete for who's the worst. You and I don't deserve anything. And he didn't give us what we did deserve. And then he gives us grace, which we don't deserve. He's a favorable God. This is all about a relationship with God, a relationship with the Father. In Isaiah chapter 42, he talks about the ultimate chosen one. Now, listen, I'm not talking about a TV series right now. You're familiar with that, the chosen, right? And that is based around the life of Jesus Christ, to the best of my, my, my uh, understanding, the, the life of Jesus and watching him through. He is the chosen one. But now his word is saying, you are chosen. Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branch. I am the Christ. You are the Christian. In other words, he's saying, what, what I've been called to be, I'm calling you to be. Are you with me? That, what, what an incredible invitation. But we have a tendency that we, we minimize it down and we get it so low that we think it's the, what the church has for us and what the church says for us, but it's what Jesus has for us, who we are in Christ Jesus. Somebody ought to say amen. amen. He said, behold, in Isaiah 42, Isaiah's way out. He's looking way down the road. He's, he's prophetically speaking about what God is going to do. And he's still in that old covenant, speaking into the new covenant. He says, behold. In other words, he's like, man, I see something. I see something. He goes, oh, if you could just see what I see. And he said this. He said, my servant whom I uphold, my elect one in whom my soul delights, I have put my spirit upon him and he will bring forth the justice to the Gentiles. He's speaking to Jesus. He's speaking on behalf of God. This is God's prophetic word. And he's opening up Isaiah's eyes and he's looking in there and he sees the coming of the servant. He sees the coming of the chosen one. Matter of fact, here it says elect. He said, my elect one. The word elect and the word uh, chosen, are they interchangeable with one another. The NIV says it this way. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. Do you realize, I don't have time to go down this vein, but you realize all the issues we're having in America, uh, the loss of a nation, uh, the loss of of Christianity, all that's going on is all an answer uh, that it's going to be answered in and, 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 and won by a spirit-filled Christian. 
That's what brings justice to the Lamb. It's not a political party. It's a people who trust God, believe God, and obey God, and serve God. That's the servant he's going to uphold. Listen to me. He's talking about Jesus, the chosen servant. He goes on down further, talks about his voice and what's going to go on the land. I'm going to pick up in verse 6. He said, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness, and I will hold your hand, and I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the Gentiles, to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the prison, to those who sit in darkness from the prison house. I am the Lord, and, and that is my name, and my glory I will not give to another, nor my praise to carved images. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I declare. Before they spring up, I tell you of them. I'm here to tell you right now, there's getting ready to be a rising of a remnant that doesn't look like this. It doesn't look like this. Now, I, will they still meet in a church? But I, I trust they will. Will people come in half-hearted? I don't think so. They will come in on fire for Jesus. They, they will not come in bound. They will walk out loosing people instead of coming in needing to be loosed. He, he's raising up a servanthood. He's raising up a tribe. He's raising up a people. He's raising up a chosen people. Listen, many are called, few are chosen. So he said, a new thing is going to spring up. I feel like we're on the threshold of a, of a new day, of a new day. And notice some of the things that he said. He said, you're going to open the blind eyes. You're going to bring prisoners out of prison. And to those who said, it's Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61, is, it comes into fulfillment as he's starting to say that one day he will stand and declare this thing. He's saying, this is what is coming. And so it's building. It's been building for generations, friends. You need to realize some of the things, the trials and the tribulations, the, the afflictions and the hardships you've gone through, they were all there to make you stronger, not weaker. They were all there to give you an opportunity to experience his peace, not to be angry and frustrated and disappointed. And, not, and listen, a, a, a heartbreak is not your home, but it's your opportunity to suffer. Because if you don't learn to suffer in the Lord, you'll never know the resurrection of the Lord. Because when you're suffering, you're down here saying, help me, help me, meet me down here, meet me. saying, no, no, no. I want you to see how I got up here. I want you to see how I lived over these things. No, this is just real. It's just real Christianity. You're going to have hardships. You're going to have difficulties. So you see Jesus as the chosen one. Let's go to Acts chapter 9. A couple weeks ago, I got to preach in, in Huntsville on a Sunday night and preach the message of the seven people, uh, the six people, yea, seven, who said, I am, I am, here I am. And, and uh, Saul uh, was connected to one of those. Saul had a guy that uh, had an experience with Jesus, and in that experience, he was blinded. How many of y'all know the story? He was knocked off his horse to hear this voice, and they said it was like it thundered, and, and then he gets struck and, uh, stricken with blindness, and, and he goes into a, a house. He starts to get discipled and mentored, and, and God calls a guy by the name of Ananias, one of the disciples, and, and he says, here I am, Lord. 
And, and he responds. You know, that's the response that we need to have. Here I am, Lord. We should be available day and night, not just in our prayer time, not just in our quiet time, not just in a service time. We should be available. I wonder how many blind people out there that the Lord has been dealing with, and he needs somebody with anointing to go and talk to them. They're not in church yet. Uh, they're, they're not in Bible study yet. They're not in J38 yet. I wonder how many people are waiting for somebody to show up and take the scales off of their eyes. Here I am, Lord. And so he gets into this situation and, and, and the Lord says, I need you to go pray for, for Saul. And he said, hey, wait, um, in case you didn't get the memo, he kills people like me. He said, no. He said, no, Ananias, uh, uh, listen. He's a chosen vessel. Listen to what it says in Acts chapter 9, verse 15. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine. So we see that this, this chosen is not just limited to Jesus. Jesus tells us that if you, in our Bible reading uh, today, you know, if you do this, if you believe in me, you'll do the same works that I do and greater works will you do because I go to my father. Jesus is saying that what the choice of me is now the choice of yours. And he's saying here now that Saul is a chosen vessel. That's what I want you to get in your heart this morning. That's what I even want you to get in your mind. I want you to, to remove everything else out of, am I this, am I that? All the confusion, does he love me, does he love me not? You are the chosen vessel of God. Matter of fact, he chose you before you're in your mother's womb. He chose your nose. He chose your toes. My dad was in the shoe business, and he literally told me, there is not a good-looking foot anywhere. I don't care. <laughs> he hadn't read Romans chapter 15. How beautiful are the feet of them who bring good news. Let me ask you a question, ugly foots. When was the last time you carried the good news? When was the last time you carried the message? When was the last time that you, you brought somebody that hope and you, and you shared that testimony and you shared that good news to them? It can make ugly things beautiful. Amen? Because there's ugly lives that need the good news of Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. Amen. It's the call of the church. It's, it's the commissioning of the church. It's the commandment of the church. And yet so few so far. But the Lord said to him, go for he's a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and children of Israel. Wait a minute. I thought it was Jesus's calling. Do, do you get the picture? Jesus's calling is your calling. It, it is, is our turn now. It, this is our opportunity this is our day. This is a, a new beginning. This is a, we're new creations. I mean, we're, we're called to carry out and to carry out the work of Jesus. Verse 16, he says, for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Now I just put that in there, uh, that verse in there. I just tie, tagged it on there because there's a tendency that when, when uh, we feel like we need to tell people what they're going to have to suffer. We need to tell people what they, what, you know, the punishment they should have for being such a bad person that they were. God said, I'll take care of that. I'll take care of that. He said, what I want you to know, Ananias, that guy's a chosen vessel. You know, the interesting thing, Ananias was a chosen vessel. Because it would be as if the Lord was looking around and he said, he said, Jerry, here I am. Maybe he said Tom, and, and Tom didn't say anything. 
Tom gave the old, uh, the old uh, cliche, it must have been pizza I ate the night before. Why do we dis, dis on the word of God? You know, I had a dream, but it could have been the pizza. No, in a dream, God could be speaking to you. You need to be like uh, Samuel. Go back and lie down and say, here I am. Speak, Lord. Your servant listens. I don't know. You may, it might change your sleep at night. It might put you to sleep instead of worrying about all the other things, and it might wake you up because he calls you. All I'm saying is you can be chosen too. You are a chosen vessel. According to the word of God, according to the kingdom of God, according to the new covenant, you are a chosen vessel. So Jesus, the chief apostle, or, or uh, Saul, the chief, uh, uh, the chief sinner, Think about that. You, you got the chief of all apostles, King Jesus, and you got Paul said, and the Holy Spirit agreed with it. He said he's the chief of sinners. So it, you probably fall in between there somewhere. I'm probably a little bit more over here myself. Some of you might be a little bit, but nevertheless, it doesn't matter how good you are or how bad you've been. God is saying you're my chosen vessel. And listen to me, you made it through abortion, you made it through molestation, you made, I don't know what you went through, but you're here today. You made it through gender confusion, you're here today because he chose you. You are a chosen generation. So let's go back to 1 Peter chapter 2. But you are not those who have rejected the chief cornerstone. If, if you rejected Jesus, now you may not be fully surrendered this morning. You may not be fully committed. You might not be in full agreement. But if you're here this morning, you haven't rejected Jesus. Uh, you're in a good place, and today could be a, a, a new starting gate for you. It could be a new, a new uh, uh, a threshold for you. It could be a new, we sang it earlier, a new horizon for you. I'm, I'm serious. My life was one thing when I gave it to Jesus, a whole other thing when I said, you can have it. It's one thing asking Jesus into your heart. It's another saying, I'm in your will. I'm in your plan. Use me. I want to be used by you. Life gets a lot more exciting. It, it seems to be much more venturous, but it seems to be much more fulfilling when you're living for Christ, not just attending church with Christ. Amen. But you're a chosen generation. The, the word chosen is what we, want to, what we want to dial into this morning, okay? Chosen means one who is the object of choice or of divine favor. An elect person selected or marked for favor or special privilege. See, I don't have, I have it because I have a free will. But when I'm committed to Christ, I don't have the freedom to choose what I want to do. Or to choose what I don't want to do. You see, I've come to find that with faith, some people it takes more faith to do something, and some people it takes more faith not to do something. I'm more lean towards the side. It takes more faith for me not to do something. But really what it boils down to, I don't have the choice. It's not my choice. I'm his choice. I need to be who he wants me to be. I can remember reading in the Bible and reading the fivefold ministries the first time I read. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. One out of five, let's see. Let's see. And also I heard that. <clears throat> I don't know if God does that to you. Some people he'll say son, daughter. I don't know how he, how he gets your attention, but he clears his throat to get my attention. And it was as if it's not your choice. It's not your choice. Because I would choose the wrong one. 
I can't trust my decision making. But he made it really simple for me. Instead of choosing the five, just choose the one. And I had a wife, you've heard it before. Gretchen, I don't know if I'm this or I'm that, I'm that. She said, why can't you just be a man of God? She rolled her went to sleep. I rolled her fell on the floor and I started to cry. And here I stand today. And here I've wrestled with before. There's been times in my life I said, Lord, I love the one who's called me, but I don't love the calling. He, he put up with that for a little while. And then finally one day he said to me, I never want to hear you say that again because they're one and the same. Listen, loving God and loving people are one and the same. But we have way too many people in church, not in this church, but in churches that love God but don't love people. And then we have way too many churches that love people but don't love God. We got a problem. I don't know that our problems as much in the White House or in, in the Capitol building of any sort. I think the problem's right here. We can't separate the two. You see, we have a tendency to throw our two cents in the ring that isn't worth two cents when he already has a plan. He said, I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord. But we're so diligent to want him to know our thoughts and want other people to know our thoughts that we can't even discern between what is his thought and our thought. And we're trying to wrangle and wrestle our way through. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood. We have to be careful not to confer with flesh and blood. We need to fully surrender that we're chosen by God. Chosen vessels for his purposes. Chosen means to be the object of choice or divine favor. An elect person, selected or marked for favor or special privilege. See, we can, we can misinterpret that. And then we can start getting jealous. Well, they seem to have more privileges than me. You don't know the pain somebody else is walking through to be in the blessing that they're living in. You don't know. I mean, there's a simple common sense to go that. Don't judge somebody until you've walked in their shoes, right? I have a few children. And some of them at certain age uh, eras there, they, they see a pair of shoes that they like and they, they, they buy that shoe and they get that shoe and they come home. And I grew up, I told you, my dad was a shoe dog. I mean, I just, I, ha I still have shoe horns. I have a footstool. And if you need your foot measured, I have one of those measuring things in my office. I just, there's just something about shoes. I grew up in a shoe house, right? And I can look at a shoe and say, that doesn't fit. I was a salesman. I was a salesman. And, and I'm, I'm talking about real salesmen. Uh, the, the men's department was over here, this little area, and the women's department was the rest of the store. And my dad stood right there because when a man came in, he said, I'll take a pair of those. He said, fine, what size you wear? Fine, boom, they're out the door. There wasn't this. <laughs> but I was over there. He had put in his dues. I know whether shoe fits or not. I can tell where the ball of the joint goes, you know, if it's, if it's creasing too early, too long. And I'd find children walking in with like, like, I'm like, what are you doing? Oh, they're awesome. They feel great. I'm like, you've never been pigeon toes in your whole life. No, oh, they're great, Dad. I love them. What size are they? Four? 
You wear a size eight. What are you doing? Oh, no, these feel good. Some, sometimes I fit between four and eight. <sighs> no. Sometimes you'll choose things too small for you, and they will limp, limit you and limp you. Sometimes you choose things too big for you just so you can look like you are, but you're really not. He knows where you fit. He knows the size of vessel. He knows the size of vessel that you are, and he knows the one that you can become. Special privilege. It's not as if you're a privileged person, but I'm telling you, it's a privilege to stand here and preach the gospel. It's, it's a privilege. There's a lot that comes with it. There's a lot that comes with you and the business you run and the family you raise in. But it's a privilege. When's the last time you looked at your children and said, that, that little shoot boy is, is special. He's a privilege to pastor and father him, whatever you do with him. When's the last time you looked at your family and thought it's a privilege to be the father? It's a privilege to be the mother. You were marked for that. They were chosen that. That's a call. You're the vessel. You don't need to run to everywhere in the world to try to get this thing figured out. I got news for you. The world and the government, it was not anointed by God to raise your children. Did you hear me? Teachers, facilitators were meant to help. You were called to train your children. You're a chosen vessel. He chose them and put them in you and out of you and in you so that you could raise them. It's all perspective. One who is an object of the choice of divine favor. This is what probably got me the most is that I came to realization that you're not just a chosen vessel, but he chose you to choose you. Mm, you need to understand this. He chose David to choose David. He chose to choose David. He, he could have gone to any of the other six boys. Did you hear me? But he literally made a choice to choose David. You see, there's 8 billion choices he can make today, but he chooses to choose you for what you're supposed to do today. I know it's, it's, it's vast, incomprehensible. It's bigger than that's God. If you serve a God, you have them all figured out. You have all the answers. You have all the knowledge. You have all the know-how there. You're not serving the real God. He's bigger than. He's greater than. He's more than. But you need to understand something. Jesus said, with desire, I've desired to have this meal with you. In other words, there is something deeper than just what was evident. So in heaven, heaven is making a choice and any time he chooses you, whether it's to serve in the nursery, I can't believe it's my day to serve in the No, he chose you. He chose you. Listen to me. You have a much greater chance. Listen to me. You have a much greater chance than I do to lay hands on the sick in there. That child has no idea when you're picking them up. You're like, shaka, laka, healing in Jesus' name. I'm up here. Come on up here. Come on up here. Please let me pray for you. 
I mean, there's some people that wouldn't take a hug from me if I was a mile. I got, I got on the 12 bushels line the other night. I was walking through the 12 bushels line. And I'm going to go up to, hey. You know, I'm like, what did I do? I mean, that was 2020, man. I mean, <laughs> that's old stuff. That's old school, you know. Some are going like that. I mean, they didn't want nothing to do with me. But they wanted the food. That's okay. We'll keep giving them food. But you got a better chance to hug your neighbor than I do, to hug that baby. He's chosen you. Like he said to me, I don't ever want to hear that again. Don't tell me you love me, but you don't love what I called you to do. What I chose you to do, they're one and the same. He said, if you love me, you'll do what I command you. You'll do it. You may not always have a smile, but in everything give thanks for this is the will of God. Amen? So in the midst of being chosen, we have to make choices. But all of heaven is sitting up there going, oh, 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 yes, yes, you're chosen. Over 8 billion people, and they said, you. Could you imagine there's some, I don't even have time to go into it, the spheres, the prophecies that are in you. Well, I'm not a prophet. I didn't say you're a prophet. That would be his choice if you were. But that doesn't say that you can't prophesy. You can't exhort, comfort, and edify somebody. You are chosen. Generation is a body of living beings. Check your neighbor. Make sure they're living. Just pinch them if you, if you can't tell. Just pinch them. He said a body of living beings constituting a single step in a line of descent from an ancestor. So we're in the constitution of Jesus. We're in the line of the ancestor. The ultimate chosen one was Jesus. And a generation is that which comes out of him, flows from him. So the same anointing, the same call, the same cause, the same lineage, relationship, all that you can put in there from Jesus down is ours. That's a pretty high calling, friends. But here's the deal when you're being chosen to stay in, in line with that. That's when you do have to choose. And you choose Jesus. I said you choose Jesus. I don't choose Greg. Now, every morning I wake up with an Adamic nature. And every morning I have to say to the, to the Adam flesh, carnal side of me, get out and seek God. Get out and pray. Get out and read the word. I have to make choices, but that choice is him. You follow what I'm saying? It's him. Don't make a choice without Jesus. Jesus chose to choose you. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a special peculiar people, all speak to the same thing. I could sit there and say, man, we could do, uh, you know, just sermons. And we really couldn't. They're all saying the same thing. What he's doing is he's speaking to the people of the dispersion, and they're from all these different little com communities around, and they have different, different angles in which they see things and the way they recognize things. And so he's saying the same thing, which is different words, to make it understand to them. What a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a, and a special peculiar people, they all speak to a people for God's own possession. A people for God's own possession. 
it further is expounded a new exodus people. That's what it means. They weren't the, they were, they were the, they were the, uh, uh, the Hebrews before they became the Israelites. Oh, you got to get this. They had to go through some exodus. And I think individually and corporately, we have some exodus to make. What he's literally saying prophetically to us, you are the generation that's going to bring the exodus. Now, what I think we don't understand, what exodus might that be? Probably the return of Christ. I know I just lost 90% of you. Because it goes back to this little experience I had years ago. Years ago, we were preaching in a, in a revival. I think it was like six, five weeks long. Our family lived in somebody else's house, and every night God was moving. People were being healed. People were being saved. People were being delivered from things. It was just one thing after another. It was, it was amazing, absolutely extraordinary. And there was this little girl that came every night, and she had her flag, and she worshiped, and, and she came, and she would she'd be in the altar longer than anybody, Pastor Matt. She, would, she was eight or nine years old if... And she would be praying in the altar after the service was over. These services went for four to five hours. Church is shrunk. Four to five hours. She'd pray, she'd pray. And then finally, she got up the nerve one day to ask me, and, and, and she came, and her mother said, she wants to ask you something. And, said, and she asked the question about, you know, Jesus returning. Is Jesus really going to return? I said, he is, honey. He's going to return. I'd preach the message about his return. And she said, I don't want him to return. I mean, here's the biggest worshiper in the church, deepest prayer in the church, to the evidence. I mean, she's just childlike going after it. And I said, why not? She said, because I want my pink phone in my room. I know it was childlike, but some people just glass right over that. And that's where the problem of the church is today. There's too many things in this world, trinkets, useless, worthless trinkets. Thoughts and ideas and plans and bucket lists and all this kind of stuff that we want more than Jesus' return. That's the cry and shame of the church. It really is. Because if we really love Jesus, we'd want him to come back today. Yeah, but I'll get youth with you here. You guys know this one. Goats, but... Sheep obey. It's almost a little bit too simple, isn't it? But the reality is, we have worldly dreams that are bigger than heavenly visions. I'm not mad at anybody. It's a new day. It's a new day. It's a new opportunity. We cannot love the world and the things of the world and say that we love God. It's a new Exodus people who will proclaim God's praise among the nations. I just almost wonder if there's somebody in here that you think that your world is going to live inside this little circle called Scottsboro, and there's nothing else going around, and you decide that I'm going to serve God where I'm at. I'm going to love God where I'm at. And God says, okay, now because of that, I'm taking you around the world. He said, people who will show God's praises among the nations and whose priestly sacrifices will take a form of the mutual submission in honoring others before themselves. Honoring others before themselves. And just for a moment, imagine the thing that you enjoy the most. 
And you had the right and you have the reservation and you have, uh, it's your stuff. It's everything there is yours. And and it's the time, it's the perfect time to set aside. And you've been waiting all week for this Friday night, this Tuesday morning experience. And somebody else shows up who doesn't have it, but would like to try it. And you just back off and you go, go for it. Well, I got here first and that's my place in line and I just... You know what I'm talking about. You know, and even to express it would have to be somewhat humorous because it's so grotesque, so selfish, so independent, not pleasing to God, not acceptable to him, not a sacrifice that he could get any praise out of whatsoever. You see, part of this royal priesthood ties into the royal law of the scriptures to love your neighbor as you love yourself. To put other people in front of you. To care about them. To prefer them. Well, there's another way to say this. Deny yourself. Deny yourself. And Jesus literally said, if you're going to follow me, and in our scripture reading today that he said, you know, I'm going to heaven and, and you guys come on. And, and, and Tom says, I started weeping this morning. I said, I just started weeping, reading that. And I, started, I said, I don't know if we know the way. Yeah. Felt more like Thomas than like Jesus in that moment. Oh, well, brother, this is how you do it. It's the Romans road of salvation. Not necessarily so. That's just the launching blocks, starting points. We must be followers of Jesus Christ to get to heaven. I'm not a universalist. I'm not. There's one way, one truth, one cross. I mean, there's a one and only, and we have to make that choice, but then we have to continually. Paul said, daily I die. Daily I make these decisions to follow Jesus. It's just real Christianity. So loving others, not just loving ourselves. You know, somebody may wrestle with the terminology, and I think the devil has done enough damage in this world to put terminology out there that when we hear the word, we, we just jump, right? We just jump, and we get back there, and, and the reality is possession. I would venture to say that most people in here would say uh, slavery is, is, is of the devil, and, and, and listen, if people were really concerned about slavery, they'd be dealing with the slavery going on today. There's humans in, in sex trafficking, slave trafficking all over the world. That's the fight we need to fight. But that's not the kind of slavery we're talking about, but because the enemy said, well, if I did this and twist all that kind of stuff, then when it comes to them reading the Bible, they're going to want to change the Bible because they can't embrace that word. 1 Corinthians six twenty, For you were bought at a price. You are bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Therefore, glorify God in your spirit, but do whatever you want with your body. Now, what it says, he said, glorify God in your body and in your spirit. He said, you're bought. You're you're, you're purchased. You're the possession of God. You're his very own special people. You and I belong to God. Amen? Amen? He has called you. He's called us out of darkness. Do you remember where you were before you got to where you are? Called you out of darkness. What is darkness? 
It's the wicked, evil, sinful, abominable actions and behaviors we see when people are not submitted to God. Now, I, I wrote that down in the notes that way so that it'd be easier for us to see it. Because if I said it's your wicked and your evil and your sinful abominations, you go, well, I don't have any. I, I shared this with my children one time. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting a little vulnerable here. How many of y'all have ever rented a VRBO or a Roomba or whatever they call it? <laughs> that one makes no sense, by the way. By the way, no sense whatsoever. VRBO. Just call the letters as they are, okay? Have you ever, anybody ever rented a? Mm-hmm. And you got there and it wasn't clean. Isn't it amazing somebody else's dirtiness is worse than yours? Now, I've done it before. I said, hey, look, children, look at that room. I said, look at yours. What would they think if they rented your room? All right, so, so, so now, we're, now we're good, right? Yeah, see, you say, man, you're so, I'm that way at home too. <laughs> That's just the way I look at things. But the reality is, if I were to talk about your abominations, you just hold your nose up in the air. Because if you saw it as an abomination, you wouldn't be doing it. But if I show you somebody else's, oh, yeah, somebody who's not submitted to God, somebody who's not committed to God, man, that looks terrible. But we put a lot of lipstick on the pig. I'm, I'm, I'm worshiping through my, no, no, you're not changing your life. Because you're not submitted to God. I didn't talk about drugs and alcohol and murder and all that, kind of, just not submitted to God. They both look the same to him. Because flesh is flesh. Are you with me? Darkness is the wicked, evil, sinful, and abominable actions and behaviors we see when people are not submitted to God. As I said earlier, as we wrap this up, Joel, you can join me if you would. Many are called, few are chosen. Here's the good thing. When it comes to salvation, it's not that difficult. Why? Because he gave you the faith you need and the grace has appeared to you that you need, all you need to do is make the decision. Think about that. For by grace are you saved through faith. Grace comes from God. Faith was given by God. All you have to do is make the decision. It's amazing how rebellious some people are that they wouldn't even make the decision for what is already provided for them. And then there's some people who just still think they have to do it on their own, have to somehow prove it to God. I was talking to somebody not long ago and I said, so what's going on in your life? They said, man, that's good. I'm doing this and getting to do that. And, and I said, well, how's your spiritual life? You know, like reading the word and stuff. Like, oh man, I've just been so busy doing this and doing that. I really haven't had time. Okay, you did. The time you're doing that, you could have been doing this. I said, probably the greatest statement of pride you could ever make because you're saying I can do life without God I can do a godly life without God I can go through all this stuff and say that I'm like Christ and do nothing like Christ but still associate that I'm like Christ that's called deception and here's the problem with deception people don't know they're deceived when they're deceived So what's so good about today? Why is it such a happy message? Because he said from heaven, you're chosen. 
It's like a whole brand new perspective. I don't care what you did yesterday. I don't care where you were last night. I don't care what it was 10 years ago. Today, he's saying, you are chosen. This is how I see you. Rise up. It's a new day. I'm calling you out. I'm bringing you out. And I'm going to release you into what I've called you to do. When you're chosen, you have a purpose. And that purpose is simple. It's as simple as this. And he will open doors and close doors that no man can open. No man, don't worry about those doors. Don't fret over those doors. It is to show forth the praises of God, to testify of God's goodness, of God's grace, of God's love. When was the last time you told somebody what Jesus has done for you? Get on that Facebook. Get on that Instagram. I don't care where you go and be as bold for Jesus as you are for whatever else you're promoting out there. Tell somebody about the God who delivered you out of darkness. I don't know where you were, but tell him where you are because of his great grace. Come on, and let's stand up. To show forth God's praise goes beyond merely singing or saying good things about or to God about him. He knows that. He knows it. He said he wants you to tell somebody who doesn't know it. He wants you to tell somebody who needs to know it. He wants you to share your praise with uh, his praise with others. That's who we are. We're called out of darkness. We're chosen. You see, if it, listen, if a generation does not generate what it's supposed to generate, it will no longer be that generation. In other words, what I'm saying, if we don't get bold of the gospel and we quit keep letting the government and, and letting uh, 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 Satan worshipers and, and, and LGBTQTKXYZs, whatever they are, if we keep letting them go and we don't speak, I'm telling you about 10 years, we'll be like England. We'll be like Europe. And the church will be so diminished. It won't stand. But he said, I'm looking for a chosen generation. I'm looking for a remnant. I'm looking for a people who I've called out of darkness to go and show them my light. We bring revelation to the world. I don't know if you get this. Your little tuck it in and hold it to yourself, Christianity is a farce. It's a deception. A chosen generation has chosen to do something. And when it came to, to Saul and that conversion, he said that uh, Saul was given a purpose. And that purpose was to turn people from the power of Satan to the power of God. You and I have a purpose. Our praise, it could break somebody's spell. Our praise could shed light on somebody's darkness. Our glorifying God, honoring God, magnifying God, just talking about Jesus can bring somebody that's in a hopeless situation hope. That's what we're called to do. So I'm going to ask you this morning, if you want to respond to and be a part of that chosen generation he's called, you're looking for a fresh day and a new day, you're making a new commitment, I'm going to ask you to come stand. We're going to pray together up here. I'm going to ask you to come stand.
Lord, as we move towards the altar this morning, as we move towards a decision in our hearts to respond to who we are, I declare over those whose hearts have responded this morning, you are, you are, you are a chosen generation. Your royal priesthood, your holy nation, you're God's own special people. You're the possession of God. Bought for by the blood of Jesus Christ. He has called you out of darkness, and I declare even today, call people out of this present darkness in their life. Deception, confusion, hatred, jealousy, insecurity, competitiveness. Lord, deliver us out of bondage, out of addiction, out of imprisonments that we've built ourselves that others have put us in. I ask today for grace as we thank you for a mercy. That will give us influence, favor, to live and be who you called us to be. You're special very own people. We choose today to participate, to involve ourselves in this chosen generation. I declare to you today, let your light so shine, let your good works be seen and evident that God in heaven can be glorified. Father, we come and approach to you to be useful to be available to you, to be chosen by your own choice. If you can use anyone, Lord, use me for your glory, for your honor. I trust that you are encouraged and inspired by the word of God today. Once again, I want to say thank you for joining us on this podcast. It's very important that after you receive the Word of God to make sure it gets sealed in your heart. I'd like to do that with you. I'd like to pray with you that we could tuck it away in our hearts and that we let the Word of God have free course, move swiftly in us, and it would glorify God. You know, the Word of God is a seed. You can expect results out of it. You can expect fruit out of it. You can expect something to be produced. Again, I'm so thankful that you joined us. Now allow me just a moment to pray with you. Father God, we come to you in the wonderful name of Jesus, the Word of God himself. And I thank you for the word that has been heard. I thank you for the word that has been received. And Lord, now I ask that it gets covered up and it gets protected and locked and lodged in our hearts, Lord. And Father, I pray that you would water it. I pray that you would nurture it, that you would bring the light and revelation that it needs. And I pray that it produce good fruit in each and every heart that has received it today. I ask this in Jesus' name. I do this at the end of every service at the church. I want to do it with you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. And may the Lord find great delight in you. And may you find great joy in him. May the Lord provide for you. May the Lord protect you. And may the Lord give you peace, peace. God bless you. Thanks for joining us.